0: Hello and welcome to the Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton and I am your host. Uh, Thank you for joining us this week and for inviting me into your home. I hope that uh, this episode will be well received by everybody. This is going to be an update episode. I have asked Sarah Landry, to come back to the show, we did a couple interviews a couple years ago about this guru guy, this god man, this Indian guru who was taking gross liberties and advantage of uh, men and women um, and children who were under his care or responsibility or put themselves there because he put himself out as the spiritual teacher. His name is Nithyananda and uh sarah was a disciple of his and sarah you were from now sarah welcome to the show thank
1: you (laughs) thanks for having me back yeah
0: yes thanks for coming back i really appreciate it um i wanted to i was i i see i've been following you on on twitter now that i'm back i followed you again and uh, because i wanted to you know hey what's happening what's up with this guy right you're you're a very active vocal person in trying to talk about, raise awareness about, let people know, hey, this guy's out there. There are still people following him. He's got 1.1 million followers on Facebook right now as we speak, even though he's actually in exile and hiding. Nobody actually knows where he's actually located, but we'll get to all that. Let's Let's go ahead and get the update here. And obviously we're coming at this with the perspective that you are you, the audience out there, have watched or checked out our earlier podcast. We're not going to try to repeat Sarah's entire story here. It was extensive. It was disturbing. There was a lot to it. And I really, really recommend if you are at all interested in this topic that you check out those interviews. But now, Sarah, uh from the 2022 perspective how is it going how are you doing
1: yeah in in some ways i feel like it's going really well as far as public outrage and exposure is concerned and in other ways i feel really demoralized that legally speaking we haven't made any progress at all since last we spoke right so yeah it's a little good a little bad um I think the last video we did was an update when two of his female disciples were actually put in prison Mm -hmm. for kidnapping and holding a girl against her will in Gujarat. That's right. So yeah, the, the Gujarat campus has been effectively closed and banned from operation in that state, but they packed up and moved back down to South India. So they're back in their Bengaluru headquarters continuing to abuse people as always. Um, Yeah. So the bad news is those two women served three months of their sentence. They're out on probation, continuing to abuse people. And yeah, India doesn't really seem to be doing much to stop the abuse. And they easily could if they wanted to, they choose not to. Um, the Ramanagara and Bididi police still have not opened the investigation for the report that I tried to send them three years ago about child beatings and sexual abuse.
2: Wow. So,
1: legally speaking, I'm feeling a little annoyed. I, I still feel like we're going to win this. And, and taking Nexium as an example, it's doable, but law enforcement has to want to help. Right. First and foremost. That's right. Um,
0: what are you running into? What I mean, there are a lot of, you know, all of us here, oh, the cops won't help. And we immediately yeah. jump to our personal reason why we yeah. hate on the cops. Right. But yeah. Indian police and, and yeah. India is a big place. There's a lot of people there, especially in northern India, <laughs> as we were talking about before the show. Yeah. Um you know, the police there are certainly uh, have issues and there is certainly corruption there. But I don't know that it, that, it, that that is a suitable explanation for why this particular case not being dealt with at this time. What can you tell us about what you're running into with that?
1: Yeah, well, with regards to India, I feel that Bengaluru... Not, not Bangalore-based police, but the Ramanagara police outside of Bangalore and the Biddity police, it's 100% bribery and corruption.
0: It is. Okay.
1: Definitely guaranteed. One other escapee who contacted me after they fled from the cult told me that they were actually with a lady named Achala, who is one of the swamis in charge of their legal department. Basically, she oversees the lawyers and the rape cases and the land grab cases that have been filed against the organization. So she said that Achala bragged to people one day that she got a call from the Ramanagara police telling her Sarah Landry is trying to file an FIR against Niti and that they were given the opportunity to stop it. And so either, obviously, that means the police asked them for a bribe. You know, oh, she's trying to, do okay. F-I-R. why don't you do something to stop her?
0: Right. And, and what, still, what, I'm I sorry, let me uh, just, what for the audience, what, what is an FIR?
1: FIR. it's a charge sheet that would give them the authority to do an investigation. So uh-huh. in India, yeah. F I R is the name that they give for a police complaint that the police accept and start to take action towards. Uh-huh. And so, what I reported in that attempted FIR was an incident that I refer to as the December 31st beatings when every single child living in his residential Gurukul was horrifically beaten.
2: Right. So I right. gave
1: details. I named names. I gave the exact times that it took place. I named the adults who were involved and they came back to me and said that the report was frivolous and, I just don't understand how kids being tortured could be perceived as frivolous by the police who are meant to be protecting them.
0: Absolutely. So
1: it's, it's mad.
0: Yeah, um, that's frustrating. Yeah. What, uh, so is this commonplace over there as far as like people trying to lodge complaints? You're not the only one, certainly, who's tried to put an FIR in.
1: No, definitely not. Yeah, it is normal. There, there was a Tamilian guy who tried to file a complaint in the same police station, and within an hour of his arrival at the station, they kept making him wait. And finally, goons from Nityananda's campus arrived and beat the shit out of him.
0: Oh my god!
1: So, so those police—they're not only corrupt, but they're they're conspiring with the cult to silence okay. whistleblowers to shut down cases. And this is why I say, like, if they wanted to do something, they could. They, they could send officers into his campus, isolate people and interview them in a way that they know that they're safe. I think the Gujarati police handled it beautifully. You know, they they received the warrant. They went in with the parents of the abducted girls. They interviewed each kid sp- separately. They shut down the campus after discovering that the the cases were true, that kids really were being abused. Um, they kept the, the computers of the administrators who were inflicting the harm. So I feel like if the South Indian police followed the example of the Gujarati police, this cult could already be over.
0: Yeah, but, I see that. Yeah. I was just so, looking up a quick a map here of uh, India because there's so many states and I'm so unfamiliar yeah. with it. So, where was the place where they actually took action?
1: Gujarat.
0: Okay, and that is basically on the, the westernmost uh, yeah. state of India. If you're looking at India, which is kind of this diamond-shaped country, on the, yeah. on the, the one on the farthest left would be uh, Gujarat.
1: Yeah, so okay. I, I really applaud the Gujarati police for yeah. what they did. Um, they were definitely up against a lot of pressure because some of Niti's wealthiest devotees are Gujarati. And I feel like that's why he thought he would be safe to have his campus in that state of all states. And so that shows that the police there were not bribable and they couldn't be intimidated. Um, So one of the things that the cult did as a retaliation against the Gujarati police is that they put false cases against the officers who had gone in, claiming that those officers had sexually abused the kids. And that's the MO of Nityananda cult. Anybody who does anything to expose their crimes or to put an end to their crimes is accused of raping kids. And so Gujarati police actually have cases filed against them by cult members claiming that they sexually abused the children who they were rescuing from this cult. And I think that's another reason why South Indian police don't want to get involved, because for one one reason, they're being bribed by Achala's dirty lawyers. And then on the other side, they would be threatened that if you do file this FIR or if you investigate, you will have a rape case put on you, mm-hmm. and and now it's so not
0: now obviously these cops are not actually doing that, and no, there wouldn't no, even no, be no, of evidence not. of it. So this is really just harassment using the law. They're, it's not like they think these cops are actually going to go to jail. No,
1: definitely not. No, this this is just their way of saying you you expose the crimes we've committed, we'll falsely accuse you of crimes. And one thing Nityananda has on his side is an army of brainwashed devotees who are willing to bend their logic to believe whatever false accusation he makes because they, they see it as justifiable. They know I didn't rape anybody, but they, they accuse me of raping people because he tells them to, and, and they feel if he says it, whether she's right or she's wrong, it's the right thing to do to attack her. Absolutely. And so that would be what they do to the Gujarati police. And I think Bidiri and Ramnagara police, not to defend the indefensible, they should have taken action. But they might also be plagued with the fear that they'll get a rape accusation by a scheduled class woman. And in India, the, the scheduled class or the protected class, um, it's the people who come from communities who have been systematically oppressed in the caste system. So people who had been considered untouchable before logic evolved and equality was understood. There are devotees in Nityananda's cult who fall under that cast. And these women are used as attackers against people like Lenin Karuppan, one of the first whistleblowers. Um, I don't know if you saw the Vice documentary on Discovery Plus about Nityananda Mm. Um, but there was a, a journalist who brought Niti a court summons from one of his rape victims called Vinay Baradwaj, And that journalist was falsely accused of raping a scheduled caste woman in the cult. And it's been explained to me by some of the anonymous whistleblowers who you might have seen them on Twitter. They're very scared to go public, but they are sharing what they know.
2: Yeah.
1: They've told me that in India... If somebody is accused of raping a woman, it is an automatic arrest with or without proof. And if somebody is accused of raping a scheduled cast woman, it's automatic prison sentence with or without proof. What? And oh yeah, and there's so just that no happened. justice.
0: That there's no due process at all. It's just all she has to do is say you rape me, and he's in jail.
1: Yeah, it's guilty until proven.
0: Holy cow. I didn't know India had that kind of backwards justice. Wow. He
1: he was finally released, that journalist. And I see him as a hero because he knew he was going into a snake pit when he brought that court summons. Um, So he's been released, but he's still fighting the case. Wow. And the same way, Lenin Karupan, he's gotten out of prison, but they did arrest him on these false accusations. And I feel like Nityananda is a rapist, and so he should have been arrested the moment he was accused of rape. Right. And yet he's, he's realized that the worst thing that could possibly happen to him is that his rape victims come forward. And so he feels like the worst thing he can do to his victims is do the same thing they're doing to him right. which is accusing him of rape wow and it's just ridiculous It's, well, it's crazy.
0: yeah it really it's it's really it really is it's sort of the whole um i mean talk about using the law to harass you know this is yes. i mean this is this this goes way past yes. uh you know what they get up to in scientology
1: oh yeah
0: my goodness like
1: what I was recently told by somebody who really very recently escaped the cult that the man who falsely accused me of raping him and keeping him as a sex slave was given money by Nitti's cult and he was told to get a lawyer and to go after me in Canadian court, which obviously he didn't do because here in Canada, you can't falsely accuse somebody of rape and they get Punished for it. If you're caught falsely accusing somebody of rape, you will be punished for it. Mm -hmm. So here we have laws against perjury, we have laws against false accusations or using the law to harass and bully people. Obviously, if that had ever happened, I could have countersued with the slander suit. So I feel like he's trying to do things like that in the West and he's not really getting away with it. But in India, the reason so many Indian victims have left and then gone silent is that they know that they've already lost enough years of their life to this cult. They don't want to lose the rest of their life to fighting the cult, which is really frustrating.
0: Yeah, it really is. And when you have a justice system that doesn't support, I mean, this is one of these places, not to go out, I'll get all soapboxy because I'm not. I'm just going to comment on this and move right on. But. Yeah. This is one of those points where people in America don't really get how good they have it. People right. in the West don't really get it until you look at really square in the eye what the rest of the world is actually like. Oh, and, definitely. and this is one of those things. India is practically, I mean, this is just barbaric what you're describing here. And uh, it's very, it's very uh, very unfortunate. And says, uh, so it just says so many, Things about why India is in the state that it's in, and these various uh, these various places, and these followers. I mean, there's just this one person I've seen you uh, pointing out, or or on on Twitter, there's some woman writer who you've uh, you've called out who defends not Nithi, and this this Nithyananda guy has these followers who the, the the words that come out of their mouths, the the things they say, the way they say them, it is it's dist- disturbing yes how clear the brainwashing is i mean it's really yeah. it's so obvious i don't even know these people but i can see but just find the, the words they use the way they're writing the and the the emphasis they put on things you're like wow this person is completely out of touch with reality and you can actually exactly. read that in their tweets
1: yes So the woman you're referring to, what's most disturbing about her is that she and her husband are advisors to Modi, who's the head of India's government. And so who's going to be whispering in his ear to not investigate Niti, to not go after him, to not escalate Interpol's notice from blue corner to red corner? It's really obvious. and. They're brainwashed to the level that they don't realize how obviously they are brainwashed. Those of us who look at their tweets with critical thinking or with, I mean, congratulations, Chris, on your, on your, on your degree. Oh, thank you. Great. (laughs) But anybody who has any background in cult psychology or the dynamics of mind control will read her tweets and will recognize the fanaticism, the elitism, the closed mindedness. Um, she would be India's equivalent of a Trump supporter who believes in QAnon. Like she, he is a gung ho right wing, um, very elitist, very racist against non-Indian people. And you can see that, like she calls us pale creatures, Western people.
0: Pale creatures.
1: Pale creatures is what she referred to me and other whistleblowers as in her latest tweet rants earlier wow. today
0: pretty sure and, pretty sure if i referred to all indians as swarthy creatures i'd yeah. be uh, i'd be being called out pretty quickly
1: oh definitely uh, yeah. yeah that that's grounds for being oh, wow. deplatformed or yeah, yeah canceled and, and it's it's one of those things where you don't understand how mean people can be to you until you go against somebody they're brainwashed to believe is god and i think that's the big shocker to a lot of of cult whistleblowers is that at first you might think people are going to leave the fraud once they know he's raped people beaten people taken money from people made up false accusations against people but you quickly realize they don't care they will defend anything he does because they'll see it as justified. I don't believe that that woman is stupid or that she thinks he's innocent. I believe she knows he's a criminal, but his criminality is acceptable to her because he stands for the same political agenda she stands for.
0: Right, right. She sounds an awful lot like a uh, mirror of Marjorie Taylor Greene in some ways.
1: (laughs) I'm not sure who that is, but you're You're
0: right. Yeah, anybody who's following that, Georgia politics. Well, she's she's been quite the the outspoken blonde woman in the House of Representatives.
1: Oh, her. Yeah,
0: Yeah. it goes on about God's guns, QAnon, et cetera. She's she's awful. She's awful human being.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. See, and the, the thing is, a lot of these people, like the journalists you're talking about, they do believe a lot of the QAnon conspiracy theories. They are pro-Trump. They're not even American, but they are pro-Trump. And they believe Trump would have their back in fights like this one, mm-hmm. even though he's more the Christian right in the U.S., they, they equate themselves to the, the Indian equivalent of that. It's really messed up. But Nityananda instructed all of his American followers to vote for Trump. And so there's this weird like right wing cultiness that has permeated a lot of India and a lot of um, conspiracy theories. Like one of my wait, what moments happened in the Nityananda cult when in one of his discourses, the fraud denounced the moon landing as a hoax. And he said, you know, NASA has never had the technology to go to the moon. There have never been human beings on the face of the moon. It was a soundstage somewhere in Hollywood. That was one of the first moments where I realized he's just reading conspiracy theories online and then claiming to see them through some kind of mystical energy download.
0: Wow. Wow. So this is really a story here, an ongoing saga of how they get away with it, really, is kind of where we're at with this guy. Uh, if you want to tell the audience a little bit. Oh, by the way, let me just clarify something with you. Did did you did you mention something about a journalist a minute ago? Did I did, did I refer yeah. to a journalist?
1: Yeah, the, the lady. Oh, no, I she's a politician. To... Yeah, she's, well, she's a political advisor. She and her husband both.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it.
1: He is the editor of a lifestyle magazine from, I Got think, it. Dubai. Okay. And she's a, a very highly respected South Indian journalist.
0: Okay, and,
1: okay. You know Chris, I, I don't want to give away my strategy plan, but as soon as I saw, she had won a so-called award from Niti, um proclaiming her some kind of defender of his tradition. I I saw that as a great opportunity to expose how brainwashed and mindfucked these people are. So I kind of deliberately called her out in a tweet, hoping that she would do something like this, like retaliate with a bunch of nonsense. And she did. Um, So that shows just how crazy these people are. And I'm hoping, for example, if this reaches somebody level-headed in Modi's circle who can say, remember how... Mina told you that Nityananda is innocent. Well, look at what she's saying to one of his victims. Maybe that will finally sever his government support, because the politicians who are listening to people they trust, they'll realize that those people have been corrupted.
0: Right. I'm right. Yeah, we're kind of hoping. One of the big challenges I see, and you can, and I'm, and I'm asking about this because I, I, I would like to know more. But one of the things that I was reading and seeing and thinking about with India specifically is that, you know, the idea that there are godmen, that there are gurus and that they are real, that they have real insight, real spiritual awareness and ability is culturally doesn't seem to be a problem. They, they seem to be a rather accepted thing that this is real and that people are like this and that gurus are, are a thing. And uh, here in the U.S., we don't really, you know, even pastors or preachers or a Joel Osman or something, we don't look at them as people who have, I mean, unless you're, you know, in their brainwashed inner circle, you don't necessarily uh-huh. think of them culturally. We don't look at them and go, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, ESP telekinesis, God gives them all these powers. We don't, we don't buy into that. Right. We just go, ah, that's a bunch of bullshit. Over there, they don't do that. They don't dismiss it out of hand. They don't say, "Oh yeah, no, no, that's crazy. That's pseudoscience. That's that's whack." A- am I am I right in that assessment? That's what I was I was reading a bit well, about.
1: I think some people do and some people don't. Just like there would be Americans who believe in charismatic healers touching a person and speaking in tongues and mm-hmm. bringing down some kind of Holy Spirit there would be that equivalent in Hinduism who believe in these god men being infused with supernatural powers. But there are also rational thinkers and critical thinkers there who are dedicated to debunking that so that people don't lose their money or their livelihood to these self-proclaimed godmen. Mm. And I think India really is moving more in the direction of skepticism, healthy skepticism and that's why something like Vice India was able to make this docu series calling out Nityananda. It's called "My Daughter Joined the Cult," and it's on Discovery Plus. I think if 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 it was like a, a whole national thing where everybody believes in these charismatic men, that docu series would never have been made. So there are people in India who are who are critical thinkers, but there's also a a long cultural history of honoring their traditions. And that's that's where it gets a little bit murky where they'll call somebody like me anti-Hindu for pointing out the crimes of a fraud godman. And yet I'm not actually criticizing Hinduism. I don't really have a problem with mystical beliefs or with you know going to a temple or honoring the deities, doing a puja, doing a ritual, I actually think that stuff is beautiful. I mm-hmm. love Hinduism. I don't like people getting exploited, raped, beaten, abused, and robbed in the name of Hinduism.
0: Of course, of course. Okay. and i and I want to be clear that I didn't mean to imply by my question that there is nobody rational or skeptical no, in no, India, no. of course. Yeah. I was I was thinking about the cultural acceptance level of spiritual right. claims and and it seems to be a very spiritual culture.
2: Yeah. You know, and and it's and and steeped it is.
0: In, in, in centuries of tradition
2: yeah.
0: of Hinduism. And so I guess I was sort of, you know, trying to compare it to the American skepticism where we're yeah. a little bit more grounded. But obviously, yeah. you know, here in the <laughs> US, we got our brand of televangelists and and all the nuttiness as well. So it's, so there's always a balance. I guess I was just kind of wondering about that cultural point, but really the corruption is really the thing that is the most telling here as to how this guy's getting away with what he's getting away with. Now, right now, could you explain to everybody like where we stand with him? Because as I understand it, he's a little MIA right now. Is that like, nobody knows where he really is.
1: Yeah, only his inner circle know where he really is. And everybody else has no idea. Um, We know he has one fake passport from um, Venezuela, and we know he has another fake passport, I think, from Belize. He's got money stashed away in the Cayman Islands, and there, there are bank transcripts that show that. Um, but nobody knows physically where he specifically is. Okay.
2: Um,
1: I think I saw a tweet earlier that a Tamil journalist had claimed he's in Libya. Um, I've heard that he's in Kenya. I've, I've, a lot of people think he's somewhere in Africa right now because about half of his astromites from the Bengaluru campus were sent to various countries in Africa. Hmm. Insider told me that the reason he's sending people to all these really strange little countries, and I countries are strange, strange to send ambassadors to cult to those countries. They, they told me that in order to get UN recognition, he needs to establish diplomatic relations to nations. And so he's sending people to the countries he believes can be bribed to sign a treaty with the the Hindu nation of Kailasa, which is a made-up nation he's inventing to try to get himself some kind of diplomatic immunity. And what he doesn't understand is that human trafficking is illegal everywhere. Even if you establish your own country and write your own laws that things like prostitution and money laundering and rape that does not make you above the international law. And for example, if the president of the United States came to Canada and raped a woman and trafficked another woman, even though he is the president of another sovereign nation, he could be charged in Canada for those crimes. And so what Niti doesn't realize is that by raping people in India, he could still face the courts of India, even if he establishes a new nation.
0: Right, yeah, exactly. Not to mention there are international courts at that point as well, right, as we know in The Hague. Um, and the UN has their own procedures for that, right? right. Uh, so yeah, there's, not, there's no hiding from this, although I kind of get the strategy there of, oh, well, I'll just become a sovereign. And there's questions as to whether, or where this, this, this country, what's it called
1: again? Kailasa.
0: Kailasa, right. So he's literally inventing a country, guys.
1: Yes, yeah, he's inventing a country and also implying that he himself is the physical living embodiment of Lord Shiva, who traditionally, as per the Dharma, resides in the sacred mountain of Kailash in a South Indian accent that would be called Kailasa. So he's inventing a country and declaring himself Shiva in one go.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, now you know, don't think small, right?
2: Nope.
0: <laughs> Man. Um, yeah. And you see this sort of weird thinking that, oh, well, if we do this, then we'll somehow get away with committing all these atrocities and abuses. Like I saw this thing in this, in this Daily Beast article, which I'll read to you from. This is just another kind of weird example of Trying to skirt the law by doing something that I guess looks legal, but there's no way this is going to fly as a as a defense for for sexually assaulting people. Um, it came to light. It says here in this article. It eventually came to light that Godman had the students of his ashram sign a sexually explicit non-disclosure agreement. Did you read about this?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've opened
0: this. You've, you've seen this? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, it says here that it would scare the hell out of loving parents from any culture. According to India Today, the clause reads, and this is a, this is a quote from the article: Volunteer understands that the program, with a capital P, I guess his program, may involve the learning and practice of ancient tantric secrets associated with male and female ecstasy, including the use of sexual energy for increased intimacy slash spiritual connection, pleasure, harmony, and freedom. Volunteer understands that these activities could be physically and mentally challenging and may involve nudity, access to visual images, graphic visual depictions, and descriptions of nudity and sexual activity, close physical proximity and intimacy, verbal and written descriptions, and audio sounds of a sexually oriented and erotic nature, etc. I mean, just because you have somebody sign that doesn't mean you can rape them with impunity.
2: No, (laughs) exactly. And it seems
0: like that's kind of this weird, you know, kind of thinking that's going on with these guys right now is, well, we're going to be legitimate and then we'll get away with it. Instead of trying to hide, they're pushing their crimes more out into the open, really.
1: Yes, absolutely. And when they sued the very first public rape victim named Ardi Rao, They sued her for revealing internal secrets of the organization when she went public about the rape because they had made her sign that contract.
0: Right. So they thought they had a gotcha here. Yeah. Now you can't make that accusation because that's an internal secret. And it's like, yeah, no, you don't get to.
1: You signed this NDA. So how dare you say that he raped you right and they still intimidate people in the cult when somebody leaves that person is forced to sign what they call the exit papers and the person is told if you don't sign these you will lose all future possibility of enlightenment you will never meet another living master you will never experience bliss or Clarity, you're going to be doomed to terrible reincarnations for the next 200,000 lifetimes. These people are traumatized. And then they're further traumatized by being told, if you don't sign these papers, you will never find enlightenment. And those papers have ridiculous clauses. Like, I will never talk to an ex-disciple. I will never talk to a whistleblower. I will never talk to the media. And, and it's, it's absolutely... Stupid, you wow. know, making people sign away their right to be people.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not to mention just completely unenforceable. Sure. I, I mean, like Scientology is right again. It's just a, it's just the last barrier of intimidation they're trying to get to, yeah. to, to really sink it in. You know, jeez, um, what else do we know right now about this, you know, country in creation that he's doing? I mean. I, I've I've read maybe it's maybe there is a physical location for it, but it seems more like it's actually a virtual country of some kind. Oh
1: yeah, it's and and nobody honestly, Chris, nobody really knows because the people who are his most trusted inner circle, his pilot, his airplane technician, Ranjita, who is his Jilin Maxwell, those people have not left him, and they're not talking to anybody because they are either kept like indentured slaves in the case of his pilot and plane technician, or they're his co-criminals like Ranjita. And so the people who physically know where he is would be the people who fly his plane, plan his strategies and physically live with him. Everybody else who comes forward, they're coming forward with the little bits that they know, but those are only pieces of the puzzle and we don't really understand where they fit in specifically. So we know he has people in Africa. We know he has people in South America. We know he was at one point in time in Trinidad and another point of time he was in Ecuador and another point in time he was in Haiti. Other than that, we don't know. Um, I've heard that he was given a presentation by some of his core supporters suggesting he copy L. Ron Hubbard by a ship and emulate the Sea Org and just sail out into international waters. But he is terrified of water. And so he vetoed that plan. Um,
0: He's a super God man and he's terrified of water.
1: Yeah, he's terrified of what He's always been afraid of water and doesn't know how to swim. Blankly refused to copy the sea org. Right. And wherever he is, it's somewhere on land. He likely flew there. And other than than those details, we don't really know where. For a long time, people thought he was in Vanuatu because all of his assets were put into a, a tax haven bank there. But that account was closed and shifted. And so now we don't really know.
0: Got it. We would need law enforcement to get on the horn on that in order to trace those, that money and yeah. stuff. I mean, in the post-9-11 world, it is very hard to yeah. move massive amounts of money without, being, without there being some trail. very hard. Yeah, and there's a trail.
1: Hard. So. There is a trail. Yeah, absolutely. We, do, we just world can't world. get
0: to it, right?
1: Oh, so. well, and and some people have exposed it. Like my friend Stephen Hodge, he found out that the Vanuatu account was closed. And uh, an informant passed him details about the new bank accounts and he tweeted them. Ah. So law enforcement can pick up on the trail that we are handing them on a silver platter and investigate but they don't want to. We've had at least 10 people in the United States who are American victims contact the FBI and get the runaround, being told it's not our jurisdiction, we don't know how we would take this up. Um, So it's not like they're not trying, it's that who do you get to help you when the Indian government is being led by somebody whose top aide is a Nityananda devotee yeah. and the American government doesn't really want to help because the crimes took place in India, outside of the U S where do you turn for help? Yeah. And this is one of the points that was made in the vice docu series on discovery. Plus um, Plus. one of the people they had speaking is an Indian lady who runs a, I don't know whether it's a, an NGO or if it's a government organization, but she is a children's rights advocate. And she said, when you go to the police and they don't help you, who do you turn to for help? And I think that's why we turn to podcasts and news agencies and networks to expose this. Because one of the things that Sarah Edmondson had told me is that when the police were not helping Nexium victims. And I've heard this from a few people who Mm -hmm. were pivotal in arresting Keith, like Susan Dones and Tony Natale. They said it wasn't until there was a public outrage from the New York Times article. That's right. That investigations really started to progress.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. It does take that. That's that's (laughs) literally why this podcast exists.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right? Is I'm trying to do my part. Uh, yeah. You know, get my voice out there publicly, get your voice out there publicly on as many channels as possible. This is why lots of podcasts exist and I'm not, you know, incompetent. I've never thought of myself as being in competition no. with other cult podcasts because no. it's necessary that we lay a, a large groundwork, a large yeah. framework of, you know, reach as many people as possible. And right. an audience out there, that's why when you hear me say, you know, like, share, get this around, share it on the yeah. interwebs. That's what I'm talking about. It's not about yeah. trying to get more subscribers for me. It's about w- we need more people to know about this stuff.
1: You know? Absolutely. It's a, it's a group effort. You're yeah, right. And I, I feel like every podcast will reach a different target audience. I, I know you specifically attract the atheist community, the rational thinking community, somebody like me, I'm, I'm more, I'm into crystals. Yeah, I'm into totally. And and at first I tried to throw all of that out because I associated it with nitty, but now I feel like those are kind of innocuous. Nobody's really getting hurt by it. Right. Um. So I'll appeal to a different kind of audience and it's important that everybody, no matter how they identify themselves on the spectrum of totally rational thinker into, um, eccentric, like how I might categorize (laughs) No matter what, we all share one thing in common, which is that we do not agree with people being exploited. That's right. In the name of a belief system. That's right. Or in the name of anything, you know, like Yanya Lalik talks about political cults, like the one she got sucked into. So we know those exist too. It's not just, spiritual exploitation of people it's it's people being exploited by a belief
0: exactly exactly now let's be let's maybe we should have led with this although again I'm going to refer back to the earlier podcasts we did but in a summary version what would you say is the key selling point this guy's offering to people because you yeah. know fanatics are created and they are created usually around a goal or purpose or a, yeah. a drive of some kind that they believe is realistic yeah. they believe it's achievable the rest yeah. of us might look at those goals you know personal spiritual immortality and all that and go well that's ridiculous but you know th- some people really go for that and they they yeah. they have to in order to get into that that extremist headspace they have to believe yeah. that it's attainable Right, And that they are going to attain it. So what is it that they're thinking they're going to attain by following Nithyananda?
1: There there have been many different promises made to recruit people over the years. Mm -hmm. So at the time that I got sucked in in 2009, what he was promising was a yogic body and a Vedic mind. And it was a very agnostic approach, not militarized, not extremist. He basically said that the physical body is capable of extreme flexibility, health, um, slowing down the aging process through things like the sattvic diet, which is a restrictive diet that's that's followed by Brahmin priests, by the the people who run the temples. Mm. And so they do things like eliminate onions and garlic and mushrooms and non-veg food, and they practice yoga postures that have been systematized to, they really do build muscle. And and I did see my flexibility increase. So that was a real deliverable. And he described the Vedic mind as a mind capable of deciding what to think and what not to think. So he said, if you're ever plagued by worry, fear, self-doubt, shame, guilt, anything holding you back from achieving your potential in life, developing the Vedic mind, which is the mind that he said the ancient Rishis and Munis had when they brought down the Hindu scripture, you will be able to create your reality through your decision-making and your actions. And this was not really the kind of mystical manifestation talk that you hear from a lot of New Agers. He wasn't saying your thought creates your reality. He was saying your thought determines the actions you take and the steps you take in life. And so if you want to be motivated and self-driven, he would help you become that way. So that was the 2009. I see it as the less extremist version of himself. Uh, Back then, he said, if you attend one of his programs, he considers it a success if he never sees you again, because that means you got what you came for and you can go live your life and enjoy it. That shifted in 2010 when he got out of prison after his first rape arrest. And suddenly he was saying that he had updated his technology and that he was systematizing a step level to achieving the higher form of yogic body, Vedic mind, which is living enlightenment, jivan mukti, And that enlightenment is not a goal, but once you've reached it, you can move on and live your life. Enlightenment is constant personal evolution. And for that, you need a guru to take you step by step, who can watch you and see that once you reach one level, he'll initiate you into the next level. So when I first found him, it felt very safe because it was like, you get this technology, you learn this yoga, you read these scriptures, and then you live your life. 2010 post sex scandal rape charge it became you have found your guru now don't let go of him come to a program once a year when you're at home advocate recruit other people in and at that point he told us the only way the planet earth can be saved from the destruction of humanity is if one million people get initiated by him to become enlightened and that number increases every time another program happens. Okay. So, so it's like 10 million now or something. Who knows? Yeah. Who, yeah. knows <laughs> who knows now? And, and the numbers are all inflated. Like he claims that he is the supreme pontiff of Hinduism with 2 billion followers. Obviously that's a lie. Wow. But his disciples preach it as if it's true. So
0: do, do you have... Any estimate or any realistic estimate of, of how many followers the guy actually has? I mean, point? everybody
1: who asked that question to would give a different answer. Right. I would estimate about 100 people who are his human trafficking victims being sent for labor and sex traffic around the world. About 100 currently. Um, probably 10 to 15 people physically living with him, cooking for him, cleaning after him, um, running his little mini operation. Okay. The Bangalore ashram I think has about a hundred people, including kids. Um, a very recent whistleblower on Twitter who goes by the name Buddha Boy has been releasing audio audio recordings of kids getting beaten and um, oh, photographs wow. of the legs of a of a young man who got beaten and bruised. Um, he's showing photos of the dirty disgusting dorms like the other thing about Nitti is he's an anti-vaxxer and he told all of his followers when the pandemic first hit to go stay in his bidity ashram where he would provide you know a, a safe haven away from all the all the craziness in the world so this whistleblower has shown photos of the overcrowded dorm overcrowded dirty dorm where those people were forced to live once they got there um, the people who did take him up on that offer for you know, free hospitality have been forced to stay back, like brainwashed. They are now the ashramites, like what I was in the time I was there. So it's a bait and switch.
0: Right, right, they, right. They
1: go to this anti-COVID sanctuary, and then they, they stay back as sannyasis. They have to take these vows, which they were told going in they wouldn't have to take. So oh, the, wow. The claim he makes now that catches the the people who are with him is that he is the living embodiment of Lord Shiva. He's reviving the tradition of Sanatana Dharma. He claims India has become overtly secular and it is no longer a Hindu nation, but that the world needs a Hindu nation. And that's what he claims Kailasa is, that's filling this gap that India left when it became secular. So he's boasting all kinds of things, and it always comes down to Hindu extremism. And he has chosen that specifically because he believes he will be politically protected as a religious leader. So if you look at Nityananda on Twitter, he only follows one account, and it's the Dalai Lama. And I think in his skewed logic, he thinks that the world will rally behind him the way the world rallied behind the Dalai Lama when China took over Tibet. Right. So he, he he equates himself with that kind of a world spiritual leader, which is crazy, but people believe it, who he recruits.
0: Well, of course, of course, I, you've actually been in the rarefied air of his presence for extended periods of time, yeah?
1: Yeah, yes.
0: Looking back at that now, not, not your mindset at the time, do you see somebody who believes what he's saying? I mean, because he's evolved this story that is definitely incompatible with earlier versions of his story. So he's evolved this this tale of, of, uh, I understand he also says now, you know, ESP and telekinesis and all the paranormal stuff is something that you will get as a result of following him. And again, his followers have to be in a place where they believe these are achievable, attainable goals, even though nobody's ever seen anybody do any of this stuff for real. Does he put on shows or something to demonstrate these powers?
1: And I definitely did believe in all of those powers at the time. Yeah. And I still this day believe in some of them, but not that he is the source of them. So, right. for example, he would have us demonstrate remote vision mm-hmm. at the beginning of every program. So he would get maybe a 1,000 to 2,000 people to pay for one of his programs. And on day one, the curtain would open, and on the stage, there would be a group of us who are ready to demonstrate remote vision to whoever wants it. So random people would come up to the stage, sit with us, one one participant to one Audie or power demonstrator. And they would tell us, you know, describe my mother's house or describe my house. And I I would be lying if I said that it wasn't accurate when I did these. Now it is possible that people lied to me and told me, yes, that's exactly what my house looks like. Hmm. But there were some things that I I really wouldn't guess if I had been just guessing. Hmm. Like for example, one man, an American man, well-dressed sat in front of me and said, okay, tell me about my house. And I immediately saw a sleeping bag in the wilderness under stars, not even with a tent, just outside. And I described that and then I saw blueprints and I saw a circular modular building with an outdoor shower. And later he, he approached me at the break and pulled out his cell phone and showed me those exact blueprints that he was having an architect design for a house in a mountain property he had just bought. And he said that before the program, he camped out there under the stars to make sure that was really where he wanted his house. So, you know, I, I, I believed in it because I was experiencing it. However, I do not believe that one person can awaken those abilities in other people. I kind of believe the human mind has abilities that we may not have fully understood yet. And that if one person can do it, everybody can do it. And there are probably ways to stimulate that. I mean, I don't wanna go off on too big of a tangent, but I think something like the the noetic sciences field might be onto something with investigating it. I think Nitti exploited the fact that some of us had those abilities and gave that as a false promise and false expectation to people paying 15 grand each for his ridiculous programs right. saying, you know, here's the power demo on day one. And that at the end of the 21 days, everybody would be able to do it. Whereas there were only about 15 of us in his whole organization who could do it. And that's why we were the ones sitting on stage doing those demos. Right. So I think if I look back to the bullshit, I believe back then, I should have understood if he could really deliver this power to everybody, he would also be demonstrating that he couldn't do the remote visions Mm. and he could randomly pick anybody from his entourage his closest inner circle who he called the sm team who served his every need they were his sex slaves they were his cooks they were his cleaners none of them did those stage demos and so One of the first things I thought when I escaped was that he claims to be the source of these powers. So how come the people like Ranjit and Pranapriya who live closest to him, why can't they do it? And the kids who first cried to me about getting beaten, they told me two or three of the kids were able to do this. Like There's a very famous young disciple of his named Yogamata, who had a viral YouTube video called Girl Demonstrates cool superpower. And so she was held up as an example to the kids and they were told she can do it, why can't the rest of you? And that led all of the kids to cheat because they felt like, well, we don't have this ability she has, but they figured that if they raised their eyebrows, the blindfold would kind of create a little gap. So that's how they could do the blindfold reading. They realized, so one of the things Nityananda told people If you're doing a remote viewing and the person tells you, no, that's not there, you immediately say, I'm sorry, my timelines are confused. And 50 years from now, that is going to be built on the location you're describing now. So he gave them cheats. Some of the kids might've believed those cheats. Other kids would have known that they were lying but gone ahead with it anyway. The kids who cried to me certainly both understood that what they were doing was morally wrong. They did not like cheating. They were traumatized from getting beaten. And so a lot of us are in kind of a a weird gray area where we still believe that some of those powers exist, but we know he is not the source of those powers. And also we know kids are being abused in the name of those powers. So...
0: Right. Right. How interesting. What an interesting con to have to keep up the appearances on, you know? I wonder, I mean, just because nothing can be taken at face value with this man, I think about 1.1 million Facebook followers, and I wonder how many of those are paid for.
1: Probably the majority.
0: Probably, right, given given the small following that we're looking at here, you know.
1: Because look at his interactions, 1.1 million followers, but like 300 people will like one of his posts.
0: Oh, there we go. Why go. is
1: the engagement so low if the following is so big?
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that, by the way, smokes what Scientology does when they post on social really?
1: media.
0: <laughs> and They get about three or four. I mean, if they get 10 yeah. likes on a tweet, they are on a they are on a roll, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, and they claim millions of members, which is why I bring it up as a comparative, right? Because it's because it absolutely is the, the social media ends up being the the proof positive of what their size really is. Yeah. You know, it actually is a useful metric, the likes and shares and stuff like that for this kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, You know, because you see... Oh, go ahead.
1: L. Ron Hubbard didn't really write uh, anything in any of his books about how to build social media followers and engagement because that didn't exist yet. And he wasn't able to see the future to know that this technological breakthrough is on the rise. I think that should be a red flag to believing Scientologists that, you know, if if all of his really, I, I think from talking to both you and to the, the late Ron Miscavige, like mm-hmm. it's not like the leaders within Scientology made up shit that they wanted to do. There was a lot of really strictly um, prescribed behaviors, That's like right. instructions that he wrote. So if he really was the visionary that that they believe he is, why didn't he have a policy in place for Facebook and for YouTube and for Twitter?
0: Exactly. He didn't see any of it coming. And that's why we've referred to the Internet as Scientology's Vietnam. They were just completely unprepared for it, you know, completely unprepared. And to this day, they still are. They still don't. They still don't utilize it effectively. And they're not going to be able to. That's the thing about destructive cults is their very nature prevents them from being constructive. Right. All they know how to do is be destructive. And at the end of the day, it's really something being driven by the personality and proclivities of the cult leader or leaders. And here we have, you know, L. Ron Hubbard. Well, this guy was all about self-aggrandizement and ego. Nithi Ananda seems to be all about sex and carnal pleasures and and uh, and just sort of sating his desires and and fooling people, conning people. He seems to get off on it, controlling oh, yeah. people.
1: Absolutely. And he's a huge fan of Elron Hubbard. He huh. loves I mean, I, I think this came up That's in right. our previous conversation right. that um, when Ron interviewed me, he did a three-part interview series when I first spoke out against Nitty, And the very next day after the first installment of that interview was published, Nitti gave a seven-minute rant within his satsang discourse about how great of a contribution Scientology has made to humanity. He said L. Ron Hubbard was an enlightened Rishi reincarnated for our times, and that Anybody who speaks out against Scientology is also anti-Hindu because he kind of posthumously declared L. Ron Hubbard an incarnation. So he, whatever whatever Hubbard stood for, I feel like in a lot of ways, he made the roadmap for a lot of these gurus to follow.
0: Absolutely. That's how it works. It's an evolutionary process of one following the next, following the next. And they do, they just beg still and borrow off of each other. Yeah. All day, every day, right? And I mean, there was nothing Hubbard did or said that was actually very original.
1: No, you know,
0: all no. of it yeah. goes back to 19th century mysticism and the occult. You know, all of it.
1: was it to Aleister Crowley yeah. and theosophy? Like he had some really strange, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, directly to Aleister Crowley. He oh. he said Aleister, who was still living at the time, back in 1950. Two At the end of 1952, Hubbard said in a lecture, Crowley, his good friend, Aleister Crowley, right, and his system of magic and all that, even though they never met. And Aleister Crowley spotted Hubbard from, from a, a continent away as a con man. Wow. He, he, he knew exactly what L. Ron Hubbard was, right? But Aleister Crowley, then, then he died a few years later. But Hubbard was an avid follower of Crowley's magic system, and participated yes. in it, practiced black magic with uh, and sex magic with Jack Parsons. So, so one yeah. just goes to the next, goes to the next is really the point here. And you yeah. see this with, you know, so much has been documented through the 20th century of uh, of the how this has worked, you know, mm-hmm. through history that we see one thing leading to another, leading to another. And so again, Nithy's nothing original. There's nothing new here. He's just some egomaniac, you know, who who's sort of a sex addict and he just won't 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 stop abusing people. And somehow he's he's uh, he's formulated messaging that gets a particular set of people very excited.
1: Absolutely. You know? and, and I think that he understood from his early childhood, he, he was born in a town called Tiruvanamalai which has one of the Jyotirlinga temples in India, which are, you know, um, among the most revered temples Mm. in the country. And so he was born in a very religious community and he saw that the most venerated members of society were the godmen. And so he aspired to be that from childhood, seeing this is how you get respect. This is how you make people listen to you. This is how you get popular and... He emulated them, grew up, discovered Osho, started emulating him, went to California, discovered Hubbard, started making all of his followers read Dianetics and build a pyramid scheme similar to Scientology's model. So it's like any time he saw somebody getting a little bit more respect or a little bit more worship, he would incorporate that into his structure. And it was 2012, that he tried to get himself all kinds of endorsements from the Hindu establishment in India. So, Madurai Adinam, which is one of the Shaivite seats of India, so the way Catholicism has the Vatican, um, Shaivite South Indian Hinduism would have Madurai Adinam. And he tried to get the 293rd Mahasamidhanam, so the head of that organization to name him as the successor. Mm-hmm. And that man started the process of doing it and then figured out what Nitti actually was and denounced him. But Nitti still claims to hold the title of 294th, even though the man he tried to con denounced him and he has been banned from that place. Right. So and he tried to pull the same kind of thing in North India with one of the Shaivite organizations there So he's tried to make himself, you know, a a pillar of Hinduism legitimately because he sees that these organizations have the public approval of the average Hindu. And especially when the, the Hindu party was elected into government, he thought they will protect him if they see him as a persecuted Hindu minority. Right. And so... That's when he kind of went away. He used to praise um, Catholic saints. I remember he used to have a picture of St. Francis of Assisi behind him on the stage. And he, he praised all kinds of New Age mysticism, too. Like he said that Jesus had helped him through A Course in Miracles, which is kind of a pseudo-Christian thing. Um, that all stopped really abruptly when he decided to pick up this Hindu Hindutva personage because he understood he will get political help if he denounces all other religions and stands as a hindu and i think a lot of his current wave of followers do not know his history right they don't know that he used to praise christian groups because now he's so vehemently against them that yeah it's like Each wave of followers who leaves, the new wave who replaces them, have no idea who they're actually following. It's just his current fake persona.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's because that would be skeptical, right? If you started, I mean, or at least it could be perceived that way if you started going back and looking at his history and what he used to say and stuff like that, you'll find completely contradictory messaging. (laughs) That is really what you're describing, that entire process of what you're describing is, is really a very representative activity of almost any cult leader. You see them exactly. do this. They, very, very, very few people who would get into this game figure it all out at the very beginning, figure out a script, and then are able to stick with it. In fact, as I yeah. sit here saying that, I can't think of one. They all change their tune as time goes on because they have to. Culture changes, the membership changes, the you know things outside the cult change, and they are trying to stay hip and respond to that and still be perceived in this positioning that they've created. So Hubbard, for example, with Scientology, we go from a science to a religion to a spiritual thing to a new agey thing in the 60s when it was all – you know, tune in, turn on, whatever, you know, that whole thing. Um, they were always anti-drug, but they but they were very hippy-dippy and all that kind of stuff and save the world and all that kind of came into play in the 60s in response to the whole counterculture movement. So it's similar, right? Just similar. similar. And, and we see that Jim yeah. Jones did this. I mean, you know, Koresh did. It. I mean, all these guys kind of evolve their messaging over time. And, and it's really quite... Uh, wild, how far off the beam uh, Nithinanda's gone from his original roots, and and you can see he's been doing this since his entire life. They got pictures Absolutely. of him from an early age on his Wikipedia page. You can see him at three years old, you know, dressed up in a robe. Picture that's not him. Oh, that's not him. Oh, I missed that. That's okay. Oh,
1: no, that's if, if you're talking about the picture of a cute little boy dressed up as a Hindu god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's- that's not him.
0: Oh, I missed that. Okay, my bad.
1: No, they claim it's him. And he has a lot of supporters in the oh, Silicon Valley. Yeah. He has corporate Google who are his devotees. He has one of the Facebook executives as his devotee. And wait a minute, so wait, wait they, a minute. What was that now?
0: Fa- a Facebook executive and a Google executive are cult a members? Google,
1: a Google corporate lawyer. Is one of one of the one of the Google, corporate lawyers for Google? Maybe even two of them. Um, I think one lost his job. I'm not sure how many of them are currently lawyers for Google. But yeah, he has very high level people within Silicon Valley who are his disciples. And so you can't look at his Wikipedia page as an accurate.
0: Ah, yeah, because it shows a bunch of Nithyananda, I did read this right, Nithyanand at various ages, and it shows yeah. him. Yeah, Yeah, but no,
1: that's just some picture that he found of a cute little boy. If you if you look at Nitti's um, like the biographies that they had given of him in the temples in 2009 up to about 2016, the only childhood photos of him are in black and white because he doesn't come from a super wealthy family and color photography and color film development wasn't that big yet in the early 80s when he was a child. Mm. So that photo he claimed was found by a disciple in Tiruvannamalai in 2017, but that's not true. That's just a picture they found of some cute kid dressed up as a god, and then they claimed it's him. If you look at his actual child photos, the facial structure is different. Nitti had a very large, prominent nose with a black mole. That little boy doesn't have that. Right. And he and had those even in his baby pictures. So it's like completely different face, completely different child. It's a full color photo, whereas all of his pictures back then were black and white. We all know it's fake. Even the people who bu- published it in his so-called autobiography know that it's fake because they're the ones who purchased it. So he, wow. he lies about everything. He claims his birthday was January 1st, 1978. It was actually March 13th, 1977. And that date might sound familiar because he shares the birthday of L. Ron Hubbard.
0: 13 March.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's, <his laughs> birthday.
0: That's so funny. Cause yeah. Right here on the Wikipedia page, one January, 1978
1: that's a lie wow wow birthday 13th of
0: march
1: 1977 but he thought being a new year's baby would make him seem more like an incarnation so he tells people he's born january 1st wow everything about his life is a lie
0: yeah i get it i get it okay well I'm, i'm just sort of sitting here having to reprocess everything I've read here today yeah. on that. Cause I got to go, okay, nope, nope. Tag it, tag yeah. it, tag it with uh, yeah. false claims.
1: Privately, Chris, I, I can tell you who his Silicon Valley followers are. I don't want to risk a, a libel suit for either of us, yeah, of but course. I, know, I can fill you in because I think they're behind editing his wiki page, making sure only the stuff supporting him comes up on the first page of Google search results. Mm. Um, Facebook donates to him every Giving Tuesday. They collect donations for his temple, and Facebook matches those donations. So I, I think a lot of American companies are supporting him, whether knowingly or unknowingly.
0: Facebook matches donations yeah. made to Nithyananda? Yes. Okay. On- I, 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 I'm i sorry. Hang on a second. What the fuck? What? Yeah. Since yeah. when do these guys, I mean, I knew Facebook was bad, but what are you, why, what? Please tell me yeah. more about this.
1: Okay. So his disciple who works for Facebook yeah. does a fundraiser for Nityananda every year on Giving Tuesday. And I think what happens is that when Employees do fundraisers for charities of their choice. Facebook as a corporation matches all the donations that employee collects on that day. So they match the donations this man collects for faith for Nityananda.
2: So wow. Facebook is
1: literally funding him. Not not this is not speculation. This isn't what we it's it's documented. It's on this man's Facebook page. Facebook matches all the donations made to nityananda on giving tuesday
0: jesus christ man
1: yeah wow. the lady the lady who beat the kids in the december 31st incident is in the los angeles nityananda temple that's where she has been and so this is why i'm saying like the jurisdiction does to a great extent fall within the united states because american kids get beaten American kids are being held captive. American kids are being used for child labor to fundraise for this group, to demonstrate fake superpowers for this group. Right. They are victims in the United States, American victims in the United States being exploited by this cult.
0: We and- need, we need like a New York Times or LA Times expose on this. I mean, this is <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, I every time like, I think I've hit bottom with these social media companies, you know, something new comes up.
1: I know. And, and this is why he's not being deplatformed. Like, when, whenever he is scandalized and whenever there's a public outcry, he bounces back. Right. The recruitment happens 99% through YouTube and Facebook. Yeah. So yeah, why yeah. is he not being deplatformed? Right. You know, my, my wow. YouTube videos, whistleblowing. blowing get demonetized his youtube videos are monetized so he's making money on youtube scamming people and people like us who are trying to warn the public are getting demonetized
0: yep yep, i'm familiar are,
1: yeah i yeah. know i know you're familiar but i i wish more people understood we don't do what we're doing for money <laughs> right we do what we do for the right thing to do
0: that's right <laughs> that's exactly well I, yeah Anybody, anybody out there who thinks you're gonna get rich exposing cults and predators, man, Uh-oh. this is not the side of the equation that the money's on.
1: Definitely I mean, not. Let's
0: put it no. that way, right?
1: Even that respectable Bangalore journalist who has been trolling me for the last week has claimed that I'm paying people to troll her.
2: Right. So every,
1: every anonymous victim of Nithyananda who comments on her tweets and says, actually, I got beaten. Actually, I got raped. Actually, as a kid, I was exploited. She claims that I am paying all of them to make that up and right. post it on her on her Twitter. So they're they're so messed in the head that they think we're somehow independently wealthy and yep. hate other people.
2: Yep, that's Which right. Is
1: the opposite of the case. He mobilizes anonymous trolls to make shit up against us. We don't need to do that against him because he's actually a criminal.
0: Exactly. I just I mean, they always accuse they, they always do that. Yeah. Uh, always you. accuse what they're doing.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. Well, this is this is oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> I wanted an update. I got an update. Here we are. <laughs> this is where it's eight, at. Yeah. Is, the fight is still going on, and, yeah. and it's an important counter. I mean, I'm glad we're doing this, obviously, right, to update my audience on what's going on and hopefully, yeah. you know, get more word out there about this guy. Scientology has been making some incredibly stupid moves lately, and it's possible that things are not going in the right, you know, in a very positive or, or growing kind of direction for them. We are, we're hearing numbers as high as a third of the membership right now are just leaving, are just not yeah. coming uh-huh. in at all. And this is due to gross mistakes that Miscavige has made in their handling of COVID and various other things. So Scientology's got a lot of kind of good news going on right now for us in the critic community, right? Yeah. This, unfortunately, is not mirrored with the Nithyananda problem right now. And, we, and, it's, and it really is an international problem. This would be very much akin, actually, in a lot of ways to trying to get Hubbard when he was, when he was out on the ocean.
1: Yes, very much so. Absolutely. Because even though Niti hasn't sailed out into international waters, he is effectively hidden. Right. Nobody really knows where specifically he is. That's right. And I've had it explained to me by by legal-minded people that the blue corner notice only means that if Niti Ananda's passport is scanned in an airport, Interpol will be notified where he is but because he's using fake passports and because he's landing in the kinds of countries where airport staff can be bribed to look the other way and not document his arrivals there is no investigation right now to find him.
0: Mm, at There's least no not at pass- least not one that they're making public.
1: No. At least not one that they're making public and based on the runaround we've been given from any law enforcement agency we've contacted yeah even one private because if there was they probably would have followed up for more information probably so
0: yeah probably so that's probably true it's it's all i i i just have to throw that out there because it's sometimes we assume nothing's happening when in fact something is happening but they can't talk about it
1: well and i would love for that to be i would love to make a public apology to the indian law enforcement enforcement and say, I'm sorry, now I know you were doing this, but you were keeping it on the down low. Thank you for what you've done. I would be very, very happy, you right. know, to eat my words one day and admit that I've been wrong about them.
0: Well, I was actually thinking more about Interpol.
1: Oh, I gotcha. was thinking
0: my, my statement just now had more to do with that side of things than, than the I, corrupt Indian police. I believe everything you've said about the Indian police and knowing what I know about the culture and the, and the, and the the, 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 problems there, all of that lines up, right? Um, the articles that I've seen so far published, uh, about all of this, Interpol has refused to comment. Right. Generally speaking, that means they're right in the middle more, or at least it's, uh, uh, that's an assumption. Of course, yeah. chances are that it's going in that direction more so than they're doing nothing right. But um, the points you're making in terms of the challenges being brought to bear with false passports and legal support and air cover from, you know, powerful people. I mean, this guy is really protected. And it's uh, that that's those enablers are unfortunately a part of the cult paradigm. Right. It's just that's what we run into every time is we run into damn fools and idiots who think they're doing the good thing by yes. supporting and enabling monsters. And,
2: exactly.
0: and that's what we've got here right now, you know? So bringing more pressure to bear on them, professionally or privately, completely appropriate right now, right? <laughs> uh, which is why finding out that Facebook, you know, some asshole at Facebook is supporting this and actually raking in money for this guy I mean that kind of thing needs to stop, right? So, however, you know, do you have have you guys taken any kind of direct action in that in that area, or do I we know, just know well, it's happening? I don't
1: think that offline, but we've tried. Yeah, I, I don't want to go into specific. No, no, that's fine.
0: That's fine. I'm just yeah. just wondering.
1: Yeah, and and I mean that man himself. I don't even want to call him an asshole because I see him also as a brainwashed victim. Of course, like, he's, of he's, course he's me five years ago or six years ago like that. I would have done the same fucking thing if I worked at Facebook and believed what he believes. So it's really hard to see these people who I know where they're coming from. I know they think they're doing a good thing, but they're enabling a monster, you know? And and yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've said to this man right before he blocked me was ask your kids to reach out to their friends in Gurukul and just ask them, ask your kids to send messages to their cool friends and say, hey, is it true that you guys got beaten? And then he blocked me. Right. So it's like they, they know on some level, they know that what whistleblowers say is true, but they're not willing to face it. Right. The, right. the cognitive dissonance is so strong that they, even if on some level they know it's true, they won't allow themselves to go into that knowing to investigate
0: that's right that's exactly but yeah,
1: right he is he is enabling a monster he is i feel like after the vice docu series specifically where jordan and me speak out there's an anonymous lady from india who speaks out um i'm sure she would have gone public if not for the fear for her life that mm-hmm. they will either kill her there was a young man in in madurai who they murdered on a Facebook Live video, they forced him to hang himself and blame it on a girlfriend dumping him. Thank so just the, the lady who was anonymous yeah. in the docu-series on Discovery Plus, I'm sure she would have gone public if she hadn't been afraid for her life because there were people who left his cult in India who have actually been killed, including a young man from Madurai who was forced to hang himself on a Facebook Live video. and. We know for a fact Nityananda has mafia-style goons who will, they once kidnapped Lenin Karupan outside of one of the court hearings when they falsely accused him of rape. They have threatened to kill many people, myself included. And it's those of us in North America, we are physically safe from that. But the people in India are not. Right. Um, But I feel like when people like that brave, I still think of her as a brave whistleblower, even though she's doing it anonymously. I think that people who still support Nityananda should understand Vice Studios and Discovery Plus would not risk the liability of having her there as a whistleblower if they hadn't vetted her and discovered that what she's saying is true. So I think that should be enough those who are still with nitty who personally knew me and jordan and Lainey and steven and that anonymous lady who they all know who she is because of the details of her stories i feel like at this point in time there is no longer an excuse for them to say that they don't believe he's a criminal because it's obvious he's a criminal and yeah i i just i hope you're right and that Interpol is doing something that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that too, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I I, I I I'm I'm more optimistic. I'll, I'll I'll push my optimism bias more than my negativity bias. Yeah. So I'll push the positive more than the negative, even though in either of them, you know, could equally be true. Yeah. I'll, I'll choose to think, well, you know, look, it's, uh, let's hope they're doing something, you know. Um, but that also means that that doesn't stop me from putting a podcast out, right? And, exactly. And, and everybody yeah. and encouraging everybody else to do the same. Yeah. On that note, let's say that we have convinced some people who are watching or listening to this right now that they want to do something about this. Yeah. You know, we've talked about Facebook, we've talked about Google. Well, nobody's gonna write a letter to Google and 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 bring them to their knees, right? That's not how this is gonna work. So what would you recommend if somebody contacted you based off this podcast and said, What can I do? Let's let's answer that question here first for the general population. What can they do? What should they do? What resources should they go to?
1: Yeah, well, they could definitely write letters to the members of the indian government um to for example modi i think if he received enough public backlash for enabling nityananda to flee india and then not pursuing an investigation that would be great Mm -hmm. um to the Bididi and bengaluru police put some pressure on the ramnagara police why did you not follow up on the fir i tried to submit um maybe also If anybody is hearing this and they have connections with the LA Times or the New York Times or the Washington Post, maybe reach out and I can put them in touch with whistleblowers or people who escaped the cult in those areas who they could work with to put out an article. Um, I would do it myself, but as a Canadian, I don't know how big my story would be, but there are Americans in all three of those places. Who would be able to work with a journalist? Right. Um, Watch my daughter join a cult on Discovery Plus, I think, to understand the backstory of Nityananda. And even write to Interpol. I think if they get enough pressure from the public, hopefully they really will escalate it from blue corner notice to a red corner notice, which would mean that they have a warrant for his arrest. I don't want them to just find where he is. I want them to arrest him and extradite him to India.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I think at this point, that's well justified. So pushing them to do that, I think, is a, is a completely uh, good move. Okay, Sarah, well, you know, argh.
1: No, Uh, hopefully next time I'll have a better update for you, Chris. (laughs) Well,
0: no, it is what it is, you know, and the, and the fight is real. The struggle is real. This is what we do. And, and fighting these guys is not always fun. It's not always exciting. It's, it's tedious. It's torturous. It is, uh, traumatizing even uh, from time to time. Right. You know, because of our earlier experiences. Um, and it's very, very difficult, um, dealing with, um, well, probably the same way they feel about us, right? I mean, dealing yeah. with cult apologists is really hard. You know, dealing with enablers is really hard because you do know there is that struggle of, you know, I mean, I'm still going to say it. I mean, the guy is an asshole, but he's oh, yeah. but I know that's not who he's always been and it's not who he always needs to be, you know. But but right now, that's where the headspace is. And, You're right. And and, You're right. and that needs to change, you know, and it can change. But will it change yeah right it hasn't it has so much to do with that individual you know really kind of getting a little you know um, reflective you know yes. and 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 making some changes but um Ugh, it's very, very frustrating. Of course, you know, and uh, and I try to I try to stay calm and rational and chill about all yeah. this. But you know, when kids are involved, when sexual <laughs> violations are involved, and when you see you know very powerful people enabling this, you know, it, it riles it up in the same way that you get riled up with a Jeffrey Epstein. You know, you're just. Like,
1: I would just yes, one hundred percent. And I was going to say, like, I think of a better comparison for Nityananda would be somebody like Jeffrey Epstein rather than somebody like Keith Raniere or David Miscavige because he has political people who he has sent female devotees to sexually serve. And that's how he keeps them supporting him because he's got that against them. So there's a huge tangled web of collateral that he's holding against people in high positions and that's part of the reason they keep supporting him. So he is a lot like an Epstein. Mm,
2: um, that makes I, a lot I'm of also,
1: sense. I'm very scared for the people who are physically trafficked within his cult, who are with him or who are living in his audience, because I also see the makings of a Jim Jones in Nityananda. Mm. I think if there is a red corner notice issued, if he ever feels like Interpol are maybe honing in on him and figuring out where he is. I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to go out and take all of them with him. Mm -hmm. And that's the other reason I'm so outspoken for so many years, despite their character assassinations, is that I don't want to see that happen.
0: Of course. I'd rather
1: I want to see these people deprogrammed and get their lives back.
0: That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. And some, some, you know, modicum of justice delivered to him.
1: Absolutely. You know, yeah. He, yeah. I don't want to see him get out of life easy with a cyanide cap. So I want to see him suffer in prison the way people have been suffering in his ashrams. Definitely.
0: Have to agree. Have to agree. Especially again, with the, uh, with the number of children who were involved in this, it is, it is just, it, it's, it's rank. It's just, it's evil. It really I'm, is. You know, it's, and I, I don't, I don't throw that word around a lot.
1: No, Um, but
0: I agree. It really is evil what he's doing. It really is. All right. Well, that's, again, that's the update, you know? So, again, I want that optimism bias, but at the same time, you know, right now, my optimism bias is basically directed toward the audience right now. It's like, guys, prove me right here. Step up. Take some action. Do something. Write those letters. All of you are capable of doing that. Contact Sarah. I'm going to put your – can I put your contact data (laughs) in the –
1: Maybe put my Instagram. Yeah, Instagram is where I'm the most active.
0: Yeah. Right. Perfect. Okay. So you can contact Sarah directly and uh, find out more. And on that happy note, <laughs> we <laughs> will wrap up for this week. Sarah, thank you very much for taking the time to to update everybody here and Perfect. and speak with such passion and uh, you know and activism on this. It's it's very 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 uh, appreciated.
1: My pleasure, Chris. Thank you for having me and for everything that you do with this.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right, folks. So everybody out there, if you are digging the channel, digging what we're doing, obviously, please support it. Uh, And on that happy note, we will wrap up for this week. Thanks for coming around. See you next week. Bye-bye.